and welcome to the Fit Chicks and Hormones podcast, where we offer suggestions and information about balancing your hormones naturally so that you can start taking action today. I'm excited to be here today with you, sharing my experiences and the experiences of my clients in hopes that you will learn so much about how you should truly feel when you take the action steps to a life full of hormone harmony. Hello and welcome back, Fit Chick and Hormone fans. Today I have a special guest with me, Dr. Florence Comate. Said that correct? Perfectly. Yep. (laughs) Uh, She is a clinician, scientist, and innovator in the field of precision medicine. She is world renowned for her expertise in predicting, preventing, and reversing chronic disease and the disorders aging associated with aging. So in 2005, Dr. Comate founded the Center for Precision Medicine and Health, where she practices a clinically proven academic approach to personalized healthcare structured as a clinical trial. Her end result by doing this is to provide clients with predictive analysis and individualized action plans to help them look and feel younger, stronger, and healthier, and remain active well into their 90s and beyond, which I absolutely love. (laughs) Hello and welcome, Dr. Tomate. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get into this podcast with you. Lots of great things that I want to learn from from you as well. So, so I found this on your website and it really resonated with me because it's what I feel I work for every single day, not only with my own life and my health, but in the women that I work with as well. And so I'm just going to read what it said, that your goal is to provide optimal health from the inside out with the vitality and energy to live life to the fullest and attain a health span to match your lifespan. And I absolutely love that. Like it gives me goosebumps because... Not what we all want. It's like that's that's you know that's definitely what we all want. So can you share what brought you to want to create that sort of life for others? Well, the shortest answer to that is my father. He always wanted to know what to do about his health. And in fact, his question when I graduated Yale Medical School was, "So tell me, you know, my brilliant daughter graduating Yale. He had another. I have a twin sister who graduated the next year, and a brother who went to Penn Med School." So it isn't like I have a corner on any of it. They're both smarter than me. But he said to me, um, and they became dermatologists, so they can look good anytime they want. Right. Um, He said, so tell me how to stay healthy. And my answer was, I don't have a clue. Really, medicine is about disease and learning a new language and figuring out how to treat people when they get sick. And I realized over the years that I had thought a lot about what my father asked and was really um, more excited about how do you proactively protect your health each decade of life. And I was lucky enough to become an endocrinologist so I can look at numbers in every system, metabolically, hormonally. I also, in the first third of my career, fortuitously took care of little children, then went on to women's health, which I started at Yale, and then men's health, which grew and grew because my training Spanned both adult um, endocrinology, pediatric endocrinology, and reproductive endocrine, which is gynecology for women and andrology for men. So I had the, I was in a position to look at what happens every decade of life and how can we stop aging, which begins to become palpable to most of us in our 30s and not, if not the 30s, definitely by 40s. Because at the cellular and metabolic level, our hormones are shifting, our metabolism is shifting. We may not 
think about that, we may think we're busy living life, we're having a family, we're having to support them, but working hard. And that's why we don't get into the gym as much. And we might not be eating right all the time and sleep maybe iffy. But in the end, it's because underneath the layers, our body is definitely shifting and our biomarkers reveal that clearly. And that's what I set out to look at. I love that. I, I absolutely yeah. love that. And, and it all resonates with me. I just, I'm going to be turning 51 here. I'm thinking, okay, I got, you know, quite a few years past me, but I would love to just age gracefully and do so much, but I already am finding that things are getting harder for me, right? Like my recovery time after my workouts, it's harder to push harder in my workouts. I get to get consistent sleep, the extra aches and pains, you know, every morning you get out of bed, <laughs> like, Okay, I'm only, I keep saying, I'm only 51. Why am I feeling like this? You know, um, and I feel like that's a lot of what my clients are struggling with as well, that it's it's not just, okay, we're aging, but then like, what is happening? What is going on? Why is all this, you know, what is happening to me? Um, and I know that it's a lot, you know, with the dropping levels of hormones and stuff, but can you talk a little bit more on that and what women can do? like as I mentioned before, to have the optimal health from the inside out and live life to the fullest. Absolutely. In fact, you remind me of one of the very first patients I ever saw at Yale when I started Women's Health back in 1992. And um, she was feeling good, but you know, she came in and she said, I can tell my body isn't listening to me anymore. I don't know why I'm doing exactly the same things I always did. These are the women who actually look really good and usually between 35 and 40, they notice a few extra pounds. It's not even a lot. It's Their clothes might still fit, but it's three to five pounds. And yet they never put on weight. They weigh themselves religiously. They took care of themselves. And what's happening is it's not in your head. It's actually in your body and in your mind to the degree that real numbers are changing. Your ability to function is hitting a wall. The average age of menopause for most women is around 50.8, which means the last period happens a year before. And that's the end of it. Uh, one year after your last period, you're officially in menopause. And a lot of women notice that they hit a wall, that even if they do all the right things, they can't get traction. And that's because the hormones have begun to shift for the last 10 or 15 years. So most women, while they go into menopause around 50, it could start as early as the late 30s and end as late as the late 50s, which is very different than men, by the way. So over the years, I've come to recognize what we can do once we figure out what's going on at the cellular level. Of course, you have to address the way we live life. So how do you sleep? And that gets interfered with. And a funny, you know, a funny but not so funny story. When I started this work, doctors would tell women that they had empty nest syndrome, children were leaving home to go to school, and therefore they felt jittery or got chest pain, pain, panic attacks. And I used to say to women, you know, it is in your head. It isn't about Librium or Valium, which is the old-fashioned drugs to make you feel better. It is actually about the fact that your neurotransmitters, your hormones affect the way you think and feel. Even women who are the calmest women of all can become hyper anxious and not know why. And I've seen all of these types of profiles. Um, in fact, that same woman who told me she was noticing change, her mother had died of a massive heart attack at 60. 
while her father was still alive and doing well in his 80s because he had a bypass procedure and her mother was told that it was the dwindles or empty. All the children were leaving for college. She had empty nest syndrome and therefore she didn't feel well. And she got prescriptions for, you know, nerve relaxing drugs like Valium. So we do have changes that go on in our body and our mind. And if we can address them, we can stop aging, which to me was the epiphany that if these changes begin in their 30s, how do we reverse those changes, reverse aging so physiologically we can stay 30, 25, 30, and really keep our health to life? And that's what I set out to do. I, I, I love that. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and I think back to the past 10 years, they were pretty rough because I was in that perimenopausal stage and just like, again, not knowing what's happening or why it's happening and just wanting to, working so hard to feel better. and going to some doctors and have them say you're fine everything's okay you're, you know just you know it's it that can be frustrating too for not getting the answers that we want or somebody telling us you know what it's fine you're getting old but okay well <laughs> I, I don't want to get old right right <laughs> exactly right, you know. how can I not uh, in fact a common a common line that doctors will tell when some of my patients come in and tell me this like division one soccer players who are hitting their 40s and like I can't hit the ball the way I used to and they would say their doctor would say to them, get used to it, you're aging. But no one wants to get used to it because that means decline, like the aches and pains we get out of bed with. Well, I don't have them. I use certain peptides that actually reverse that. But it's in the key data, the variables, what I think of as the biomarkers that are not just blood biomarkers, but blood biomarkers are critical. Um, and I can go into what they are that need to be looked at as well as the way your family presents with aging. So in order to understand what diseases can emerge from your genes, look at your family history. And then on top of it, you know, how do you live life? How do you eat? What's your sleep quality like? All of those are biomarkers to me and symptoms and signs and of what's going on and how do we grasp it get traction so that you don't have to feel like you're flipping, even if you're working as hard as you can. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Definitely. That's, you know, the ultimate goal, <laughs> right? And yeah, I'd like to go back and revisit those, the peptides that you talked about. I keep hearing those come up and up and I feel like they're probably not something that's new, but I'm hearing more and more and more about them, about all the benefits that they can have to us as we age. Um, so if, yeah, if you want to just elaborate and talk a little There's bit more. There's a whole list of peptides, but <laughs> I'll start with some that have become very famous lately. We've been using these peptides for, since they've been the origin, but Ozempic, for example, and Manjaro are both peptides. In fact, Manjaro is a combination of two, whereas Ozempic is one. And you've probably heard about that from all the celebrities like Elon Musk, who's used it and lost a lot of weight. And all of these peptides work in sync with the way the body works. So they exaggerate either a certain peptide that we excrete from our brain or our body, and they take it to the next level so they can be functional. And I like them because for the most part, if you're dealing with each individual person, you can figure out what's best for them. But there are also peptides that actually contribute to putting on muscle or losing fat. There are peptides that help with aches and pains, something we call in, in our business prime body protection. I take that every night, a little dose, 
and, you know, walking up and down stairs, working out, I'm not left with the aches and pains that we think is typical because of joints wearing out because they're protective of joints. There are lots of these things. There are peptides that mimic growth hormone, but they come about physiologically, meaning they signal in the same way, but they don't replace what your body does by itself. And they're, they don't have side effects if you tolerate them. Now they can have side effects if you don't tolerate them, but, um, but that's specific to the individual. And there's a lot of choices out there. But understanding most of all that testosterone, for example, begins to fall in us women by leaps and bounds in our 30s. Now men too, one to 3% a year. And that's a lot for us women, not as much for men, but it's significant. In men, they don't have as much estrogen as we do. So we get more cardiac protection because estrogen is protective of the heart for 10 years longer than in men who don't have a lot of estrogen. They have more testosterone, so they have protection, more protection for their bone, bones, and they don't get something called weak bones or um, loss of bone osteoporosis, which leads to fractures of the wrist, the spine, shrinking, a kyphosis, which is like a buffalo hump. So your head is bent forward. I'm sure all of your listeners and you have seen men and women walking around hunched over, you know, and they can't straighten up because their back is curved. That's osteoporosis. And all of that could be understood decades before it begins and stopped in its tracks and even reversed. And those, there are peptides for that. There's a portion of what we call the parathyroid hormone that is a drug that can stop loss of bone and put on bone, a lot of bone in even a shorter time as a year, and then cement it so that you actually protect yourself. So 25% of us are gonna have osteoporosis. So if it's not you, it's actually one of your two best friends and you don't want osteoporosis. And that runs in a family too. So understanding family history is a huge contributor. So when you do, let's say for the individual, because like you said, the peptides are kind of individualized. Do you do any type of testing or how do you determine yes. what's going to work? Yeah. Like what would that look like? Great. Great question. So we start, and I clearly started in the middle instead of at the beginning, but okay. we actually start by prescribing a continuous glucose monitor. Have you heard of them? Yes. So it's a little device that you have on your arm. I have one right here now and it reads your sugar continuously. At least the latest version does. The one before it the, that we used to use, the Libra 2, reads it if you put the phone up to it. So you can have it whether you have an Android or an iPhone. And what's fantastic about it is that diabetes and, and a disease, which I call now disorder of carbohydrate metabolism, meaning there's a sugar disorder. We all have it because um, if you age, which we all want to age, our bodies, as they decline, these disorders begin to penetrate. And we have it because it's a survivor gene. A gene, there are about a thousand variants in our gene population that control sugar. And any one or group of them can be off and it can present in different ways. So diabetes, which we commonly think of as type two, I'm not talking about type one, that's slightly different. It's an immunological disorder, an autoimmune disorder, but type two, commonly presents, and that is the underpinning as well as the loss and change in testosterone and ultimately menopause in women and andropause in men that cause our body to respond differently to the way we eat, work out, or sleep. And these continuous glucose monitors can help us decide, for example, if a banana is, let me mute the phone. 
if a banana is um, is going to cause your sugar to shoot up, or is it cookies, cake, or ice cream? I'm one of those people where a banana causes my sugar to go sky high, but I can actually get away with ice cream, which is one wow. of my favorite, if not my favorite food. <laughs> so also ice cream has protein in it, which is not a pure carb, and you need protein. So eating differently is what helps us figure out what is what does your sugar do when you eat certain foods, the order of foods, because we're not strong believers in diets. Diets of all sorts, whether they're keto, paleo, fasting, are really unique to the individual. And if you're a person who can fast, great, that might work for you. But some people faint or get symptoms when they fast. They get weak, they get angry and hungry, which is sometimes abbreviated as anger. Right. Um, and they can't tolerate it because their sugar falls too low. So too low sugar or too high sugar uh, is, an in, is unstable and that leads to problems. And when you lose testosterone, you can't put on muscle, even if you do resistance exercise and you eat enough protein because you, don't, you can't make the muscle without testosterone. And working out doesn't increase testosterone. So there's a lot of these fallacies that are perpetuated in the literature, but really speak to what is your makeup? What is your profile? How do we test by looking at certain biomarkers in the blood? And I'm happy to go into those if you'd like, besides testosterone or free testosterone. Mm -hmm. And then what do you make of it? What kind of decisions can be with, you know, extrapolated from getting that information? Right. So it is it's very individualized. You can look at deeper into each person and see. Only asking because I have heard some people say that, you know, I've heard for the it's called Ozempic, right? Ozempic, yeah. There's yeah. also Wagovia, which is identical. It's just been um it 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 was approved for obesity actually at a certain level, certain BMI, which is false anyway, BMI, but still right. they use BMI. And they use it either with comorbidities, like if you do have diabetes or heart disease or cholesterol, or they can, if it's high enough, then you can sometimes get Wagovia prescribed, even if it's just based on weight alone and BMI. Yeah, because I've had, I've had some people tell me that that has worked really well for them. And then it has, it kind of wasn't the thing that was going to work well. So like, is there, are there different options in at that point then? Lots of options. And one has to be careful with whatever option. So I don't know how much you know about what we're planning, but we actually created this data set over the last two decades. So it's scientifically based on clinical research. And because we have this data now and we can look at these numbers in a more compartmentalized way, we created an app that's like that's a virtual digital app that will allow this to go to the public. We're right now working with companies and we're looking towards, you know, getting it out there for individuals to sign up because we will be able to do some of this testing and prescribe appropriately. But one has to be careful. So I'll give you one of the downsides of Ozempic and Wagovia. First of all, not everybody tolerates it well. Some people get way too much nausea, even vomiting. They have no appetite. And they not only lose fat, which they may to some degree, but they actually first start by losing muscle. And that's not a good thing. Right. So unless you're balanced about how this happens, you can't, it's just like a, not a magic, there's never a magic solution, even though the latest and greatest that celebrities do and that we hear about, we think, oh, well, they're doing it, it's going to work for us. But mostly celebrities have trainers, they're working out, they have cooks, they eat well. So they're looking at a full like 360 degree version of what we take a little piece of 
and it doesn't work so well for some of us. In others, it works fantastic. I, I just got an email from one of our clients. We call them clients because we don't want them to be sick patients. Right. And I was told how in the last six months, uh, she's lost 40 pounds and she's working out harder than ever. And she's never felt better in her life, even before menopause. And so menopause, unfortunately, to us women, we hit a wall. It's a little different in men. And I'm happy to explain that. But I think your focus is women. Yeah. More right. Than, yeah. Yes, the women. Yeah. 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 I've, I've, like I said, I've definitely noticed being post-menopausal, my testosterone, I can tell. And, and the way I noticed, I started uh, adding some testosterone. I've been doing the cream for probably about six months now. And wow, it's, I mean, it's exactly brain fog. I, I feel stronger, you know, in my workouts. I, I just, it, energy, just focus. It's, it's amazing how much different I feel just with the little bit that I'm, you know, cause I like to go yep. slow and add up a little bit, but so um, that's the one of the best ways to do it. I, I, I'm particularly um, in favor of cream because it's controllable once, if especially if levels are followed. We like women to have free testosterone, not total, but free testosterone, at least six and e even up to 20 and some women even 30, as long as there aren't downsides to it. Most women don't grow hair particularly if you apply it in the right place, but they put on muscle and they, they lose the fat and they get stronger and it's good for bones. It's good for the heart. Testosterone helps with brain fog and memory. It helps with strengthening bone and muscle. As I mentioned, it helps with cognition. There's a lot of data on estrogen and testosterone for the brain. Um, and think about it, the heart's a muscle. So if you can work out stronger and feel better, and many of my skinny fat women, meaning they look fantastic because they model fat well, have gained a few pounds, but lost in fat, lost muscle. And testosterone has been one of the ways they've turned it around, where within weeks to months, they're different. They feel fantastic because that's what starts decreasing in our 30s. Um, and that's significant for us because we don't, we don't have a lot as much as men do. Yeah. I, I have a question too, because I've heard this, I've kind of heard it here and there or whatever. So when it comes to the testosterone, um, is it too late to start it if you're in your seventies or is it something that should be added as you head into postmenopause or earlier, even if you need to, like, is there any time that it's like, you'll probably not a good idea to start introducing it? Anytime. It depends on the person who needs it. So I'll give you an example of a young woman who might need it. And we've started women in their 80s and 90s. I started my own mom in her 70s because she was getting symptoms of both urinary tract infections, frequent ones, which comes about because as we don't have support, vaginal wall support with estrogen, it's easier for those little bugs that live in our colon and we're covered with, you know, the microbiome, we bugs on our skin everywhere to, to cause urinary tract infections. And they can be quite serious. My mother would be hospitalized with them and it was clear she shouldn't be. So, and it's also obviously estrogen is good for the painful intercourse that a lot of women begin to notice postmenopausally because as the skin dries, the mucous membrane isn't moist. And so you can get pain with, insertion and you don't want that it's uncomfortable right. um and so estrogen is critically important you can apply it locally but also we prescribe when appropriate it's not appropriate for everyone remember this is individuals we think of it as n of one and but i frequently start with testosterone so if a woman is in her 60s 70s or 80s 
and has never been on hormones and menopause is a long past, could be as much as 10 years, we usually start a little slowly. So we'll start one hormone at a time. And usually I like to use testosterone. On the other hand, if women have sleep issues, um, I we frequently give progesterone first because progesterone is critical for sleep. And, it, and we even use it um, selectively in men because it's been studied now for brain health. And we know that that interferes with sleep, which is a major problem for women as they age into perimenopause and menopause. I promise you a young, young studies, but we measure testosterone in everyone. And when you're a 25 year old or 20 year young woman and you're on birth control pills, you're actually suppressing testosterone. It's a wonderful stress test, by the way, for diabetes or a disorder of carbohydrate metabolism, because you're shutting down testosterone, you can't put muscle on in the same way. So these women, many of them who take great care of themselves, don't understand why they're gaining weight. And frequently the pill is blamed, but it's blamed for the wrong reason. It, it's blamed because, oh, it must be estrogen. It's actually not estrogen. It's the fact that we shut off our regular ovarian function we don't make testosterone and we're mimicking an older pattern. So we frequently use testosterone as a cream in a very low dose and it's, and the women are fine. So it depends on the particular case because I strongly believe, and you asked me where some of this came from, I, I didn't mention my identical twin sister, but I knew that as an identical twin, we were still different. So each one of us expresses genes differently. And in order to understand that, we have to look at these biomarkers. We have to figure out how that person is living life, something I call the health story. It's more than just their chief complaint, oh, I can't lose weight. It's more about their whole life picture because we're a system. And just like you mentioned, your brain fog cleared up, it's going to have an effect on your brain cells. We know that testosterone that is yeah yeah, yeah. i going back to the life i think i always talk about lifestyle i mean lifestyle choices that's where i always tell my clients we need to start here like what does your lifestyle look like what are you doing that we can fix or remedy or you know work on first and then taking those steps but yeah if you i i i can't talk about it enough stress enough that if you don't change your lifestyle choice you know then you're not going to be able to get where you want to be you're absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I think to some extent, though, we want to be cautious. And I am usually, um, I try to modify it by saying, listen, no one's going to live perfectly. We don't even know what perfect is. And it wouldn't be much fun if you didn't enjoy life and you lived a long life. Like who would want to live a long life, but hate it every second of the way, right? So it's about making choices. And that's where the continuous glucose monitor starts us. And then we're going to look at collecting the story about how you live life. And then we draw um, blood biomarkers. We include fasting sugar, fasting insulin, free testosterone, which is rarely measured, insulin almost never, hemoglobin A1C, which is a reflection of how your body handles sugar for the last 100 days. And that affects everything in the body. Um, I'll mention Jeff is on the phone now, but I remember um, chatting with him and he was the editor of my book, Keep It Up for Men, which is written 10 years ago about precision medicine and about keeping your health despite aging, aging chronologically, but how do you stop biological aging? And I remember him saying to me that 
we can think of diabetes as red blood cells uh, with powdered sugar on them, like little donuts traveling everywhere in the body. And frankly, that's exactly what we should be thinking about because they go from your brain to your toes. And that's why high sugar in the body or diabetes affects everything from the heart to the brain, to kidneys, to skin, to nerves. And so we can't escape it. And yet it's a survivor gene, meaning that in order to escape famine and Holocaust, our ancestors had to pass down these genes because they had to live off their own body during cold winter months when we were cavemen, right? We didn't get enough food. And if you didn't survive, those genes didn't survive. So we are tilting the curve to people, to all of us, putting increasing sugar in our body as we age with nowhere to pack it away because we don't put on muscle when testosterone falls. So that is what happened in almost a perfect storm in our 30s and 40s and 50s and beyond. And we get weaker and weaker and we can't fight off chronic disease. It's, it's exactly the picture we saw in COVID when people who had what you call comorbidities, but they were hidden under the surface, they would suffer more and died more frequently than people who didn't have those comorbidities. For example, if you were a diabetic with COVID, you'd be four times as likely to get admitted and on a respirator. But if you were a pre-diabetic or didn't know you were a diabetic, you were eight times as likely. Wow. So these comorbidities undermine us. And as we age, it's inevitable. So that's where stopping aging and, and holding on to our biological youth, even as we blow out more candles, makes sense for us women. And we need the data to do that. We need to understand what makes you, you, me, me, and even me different than my identical twin sister. Yeah, I, I love, and I love that you're doing the study and doing that. That stuff is fascinating, I'm sure for you as well. Um, just learning about all the different, all the different things that you could do, all the different ways that people and people react and how everybody is, is aging. And, and like you mentioned, it is, it's, it's as sugar being the number one thing that I think is the hard, it's like a drug for some people. I know it is a drug, right. For a lot it's of a delicious life. drug sometimes. Yeah. A lot of in moderation, time. in yeah. moderation, actually, it's, it's really worth looking at that. Even if you can get a continuous glucose monitor from your doctor, I can't tell you how many of my endocrinology friends, once they heard me speak or shared, they would get one and they would see stress, for example, they were preparing to give a conference and they would notice the sugar went sky high. And so ways of moderating that, for example, doing meditation turns off cortisol at the genetic level at the gene itself. And so if you can really do deep meditation and that's something that's a fit for you, either by using Calm or, you know, any one of these meditation apps, which is excellent. Um, a way to do it on your own, on your own time, you can actually change the dynamic of your body and your system. Yeah, I, I, that's, uh, as we go from uh, sugar to stress, I definitely feel like that's another thing. It's a, it's an addiction. I think we, we feed off of being busy, doing more, going constantly and just feeling overwhelmed, but it's only just doing a disservice to our body for sure. Yeah, but, but remember, we can't do it all, Angie. So we can't do it all without support. Like aging happens. It's how do we stop the, the biological aging so we can retain optimal health for life and make it a health, make it healthy longevity. So we can ski at 120. We can go to our great grandchildren's weddings. Those are the goals that I have in mind. 
and that I would want for everybody. And I feel that what we've done at Comite has to, is selective because it costs a lot because in order to do this, it's self-pay for the most part. It's bespoke. So it's, you know, heavy duty in terms of jumping right in the deep end of the pool. So I'm very excited about bringing Grok Health to everybody in the future because I think it'll be a way for people to own their own health destiny, to be able to understand what's going on. Just like you have, you're performing a service and delivering this information, most people don't know this. It's, it's absent in healthcare. Right. Yeah. And I'm very interested. I did look, read more into that app and all that stuff. And I think that's amazing because I love that kind of stuff where something can tell me more about myself and what I can better, how I can better live to improve as I age. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. I think that's amazing. And I think there are so many people to educate them and teach them and show them there is a way to do it. So I'm, I'm very excited about that coming out. Is there like, what, what is, how does all that look? So right now we're in a test phase where we're working largely with companies. And so we're, who's offering it to their employees in order to get it jump started. But what's really interesting is that almost every employee who's come in has asked, can they get it for their wife or their mm -hmm. child or their best friend? And yes, we're moving in that direction. We're also exploring using some media folks who are out there. And obviously you have a good audience depending on where people live. Because for the moment, we're encouraging people to come. The first visit is in our center where we do testing. Um, the blood test actually goes to insurance companies, to your insurance. Um, and there's, it's not inexpensive still, even at this level. Um, it ranges from 6,000 to 12,000 a year, depending on the level of testing. And then we prescribe. So we're able to do prescription. We also have built in as the app begins to develop and grow bigger and bigger, we're actually now at the point where we do a telemedicine. So we describe what's going on inside your body after the tests have been done. So there's a deeper appreciation because I believe that there's a partnership between patients or clients and in the app, it'll be users or members and the medical community. So behind the app is the Comite Center um, because it's medicine that's been tested, tried and true, based on scientific data. It's not a guessing game. It's not just a telemedicine where, you know, we do what one size fits all, which is the way medicine tends to be practiced. It's about specifically geared for that person. I love that. I love that. And I love there's it seems like that's exactly what how it needs to be now is more individualized because so many people are just giving this blanketed like, remedy here go do this like everyone else and it's just it's not work it doesn't work that way it just doesn't work we're all too different exactly um thank you for all the positive feedback it'll <laughs> keep us going because doing yeah. things that are new in medicine and and combining it with tech is not easy it's been it's been hard I thought about this when the epiphanies came to me and and there were probably three at the time my identical twin being not identical knowing that genetics, which is now ready for prime time, but it wasn't, looking at dynamic change as our bodies begin to change in the 30s and men and women, and being able to see the numbers and understand that you can detect change and disease and aging decades before people get sick. So predicting the future health for individuals, to me, is magical. It's almost like having a crystal ball. 
So I feel lucky. And at the time I thought, if I could prove this in a bricks and mortar, it should really be bricks and clicks. Yeah. Um, and, and now digital health is out there, but it's still pretty much siloed, just like regular medicine, where if you go see one doctor, that doctor is not necessarily in sync with the other doctor. So your gynecologist may tell you, um, yeah, you can use estrogen, but your internist may say, no, you're at risk for breast cancer. So what do you do to bring it together? Very hard. Mm-hmm. We believe it should all be brought together around that singular human being. And that if you can do that well, and you can customize it for each person using precision data, precise data, um, it will make a difference for everyone. Yeah, I appreciate you so much for doing all this. I know it's got to be a lot of work, but I, I mean, it's, I'm so glad to hear that somebody's doing it because it's going to be amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, sometimes I think it wasn't so smart of me that if I was smarter, (laughs) I would have figured out how to be on a beach right now somewhere beautiful. (laughs) And I do periodically, but very periodically. Yeah. But I do love it. And I'm so passionate about it because I think it's going to make a difference for everyone. If we can get the word out, we can make it clear that you can own your own health destiny by investing your time and energy, maybe not directly by going to a doctor. So it saves you. It's more efficient. You can do it any time of day or night. You can be nude. You can be in your PJ at midnight. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it will make a difference in the way you live life and you can live life to the fullest. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's like, that's the perfect, perfect ending to this whole thing. But I do want to ask one, one last thing before, sure. we, before we go is like, if, if you had, say you had three tips that you would share with women to help them to age better on their own right now to do something what what would those three things be so obviously they'll have to take it for where they are in life but number one is be sure you eat enough protein at least a gram per kilogram per day and try to start everything any food you put in your mouth should start with protein Whatever it is, if you want a glass of wine, which is three quarters sugar, by the way, make sure you have some nuts. Go to walnuts, as a matter of fact, because walnuts have the highest omegas. But even if it's almonds or macadamia or Brazilian nuts, which are high in selenium, that would be a great way to start. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is make sure that you do resistance training, not just aerobic. Women tend to lean in towards more aerobic than strength training and resistance. And don't bother treading on that treadmill or for an hour or a half an hour. After a while, your body adapts. Think about adding HIT or high-intensity interval training. So if I go on a treadmill and I only have 15 minutes, Every three to five minutes, I'm going to run as fast as I can, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it so it's worth it. And by the way, I'll watch my TV shows while I'm on the treadmill. Yep. So that's fun too, right? That's make sure fun. you have fun. And if you like a sport, do that sport. Keep yourself up and ready. And then ask your doctor to get these five tests and maybe prescribe a CGM because you won't know where you're at. And depending on whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it's going to help at every stage. Find a doctor that you can work with. Until we bring rock out there for everybody, I think that those five biomarkers, and I'll repeat them, fasting blood, you want to fast for 12 hours if you can, 10 hours if 12 is too hard. That means only water, no coffee, no tea, no cocoa, nothing. Don't even brush your teeth if you can help it. Um, but five biomarkers, fasting sugar, glucose, fasting insulin, free testosterone, 
hemoglobin A1C, and then most doctors will do a lipid panel, but what you really need is something we call a cholesterol risk ratio, which is total cholesterol over good cholesterol or HDL, and that ratio should be under two. So those five biomarkers would be of tremendous help along with the continuous glucose monitor. Love it. I love it. Those are amazing tips. I love them. And multi, multi-part tip, obviously. Yes, but... No, but I love it. And I'm definitely going to look into that. That Okay. Because yeah, I, I hear about it. So all the, all over the place. And I'm like, you know, what? I was, because again, I'm curious. I like to know, I like to know what my body's doing and am I feeding it the right kinds of foods? Maybe these are treating me differently. So yeah. That makes you a great person. I read your background too, and it was quite impressive, but curiosity that's probably my middle name. I'm where I got it from my father, but I'm insatiably curious too. And asking questions and making sure one thing I left out of there that probably maybe should be number one is see what you can find out about what runs in your family, because what runs in your family is not just genetics, it's expression of those genes. And a lot of times genes run in a family, but they don't express. So understanding that also will help you and it will help you in the doctor's office. So maybe we can include it in part three of the third tip, because if you tell your doctor, my mother was a diabetic or my father had a heart attack or my mother had Alzheimer's or my grandmother died of a stroke or my grandfather had a hip fracture, they should look deeper into your body. They should be able to test some of these variables so you can get the help you need. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I I I true I agree with you 100. <laughs> percent Such such a great. Excellent. Yeah. Well, well, since I never hear that from anyone around me, my children included, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been amazing, amazing. I appreciate your time so much because this has been great. Lots of goodies, lots of great information here, and I can't wait for my listeners to read this or listen to this, and yeah, just get so much out of it. So oh, excellent. The last thing is just, if, if my listeners want to find more about you, where can they do that? And if they want to work with you, where would they go to do that? Well, they can sign up at grokhealth.com. It's not going to happen very quickly, but in the next few months, we should become more active, maybe even weeks, we should become more active and there'll be announcements where we're headed and how. Um, and then they can read about Grok Health. Um, and on social media, we also are promising ourselves, and it's, it's a big ask, but we're going to do it is to be more present. We do have um, at Rock Health. We have at Comitase Center on Instagram, Facebook, I think even Twitter, and at Dr. Comitase or DR Florence Comitase uh, as well. So feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The more, the merrier. Yes, I love it. And I love, I love, I'm excited to share your story and everything you're doing um, because you're doing great things. So I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks and Hormones podcast. And if you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with your friends by sharing it in your stories and tagging me on Instagram at Fit Chicks and Hormones or on Facebook at Angie Marone. And if you have a free minute, a review would be great too. Feel free to message me with any questions either on Facebook or Instagram. I love helping women move through their hormonal years with ease.